Now in Exodus chapter 20, we uh, come to the second last of the commandments, and uh, we're uh, looking at commandment number nine this evening, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16. These last commandments, quite short, quite sharp, and really quite simple. But you know, for all of us, life can be at some points quite frightening um, for one reason or another. And it can be that some of us uh, feel good, uh, don't feel ill in any way, don't feel uh, unwell. And uh, yet, for some reason, we're called to the doctor. And the doctor sends us for a scan. And the scan reveals some hidden and unfelt cancer, uh, which is devastating to us because we feel fine. And often, when we come to Scripture uh, and the commands of God, it's a bit like that spiritually. Sometimes we just feel fine. And we don't think there's anything wrong in our lives. Partly because we're not opening ourselves to the word. The Bible's closed in our lives. When the Bible's closed to us, when God's word is closed, we're closing off conversation with God. We're not educating our conscience. We're not uh, living uh, with a listening ear to the way that he wants us to live. And so we might feel great about ourselves But it will be an unhealthy uh, well-being. It will be a deceptive well-being and ultimately it will catch up with us uh, spiritually in our lives. It's really important for us to be honest and open enough to allow the great surgeon to use his scalpel in our hearts. To allow him to scour our inner being and say, look, these things need dealt with. These are issues that you need to face up to in your life. It's not enough just to uh, scan the surface of what you're doing, but it must be that you allow um, my word to expose some cancer that's there, spiritual cancer, because I have the, I have the power of healing. God says that, you know, unless we see and expose our sins, then we're not going to be healed. And the commands are very, very powerful in that way. They expose things. As, we, as we've seen with all of them, they're kind of umbrella commands that deal with a lot bigger areas than just the mere uh, expression of the command itself. And they, they're like, uh, it's like God's eyes that, that scan our heart and expose what we're really like and why we need to come to him for renewal and for cleansing and for transformation. If your life's not being transformed, if you're not at some point uncomfortable tonight, and if you're not uncomfortable when you open scripture, then I think there's something wrong with your spiritual life and there's something wrong with mine. Because he wants us to be uncomfortable if it will drive us to his grace and his forgiveness and his healing. And sometimes what we do is I think we just we just sub submerge him. We just close him off. We just close the doors. We say, no, uh, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to let his light shine into the darkness of my heart. I'm quite content just to have an outward show of religion. I'm quite content just to live outwardly for him, but don't touch 
my heart. Don't get near to me. I'm going to look at everyone else, but don't come near to me. And we often say that with God, isn't it? Because it, let's be honest this evening, it is uncomfortable. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we feel like the psalmist when he says, well, look, is God interested in my life and in what I'm doing? Yes, absolutely. He's the great physician. And the commands are all like that. And this command is no different. And it's a command that speaks about truthfulness. And if there's something, if there's anything that's important in a Christian community, it's honesty and truthfulness. Truthfulness with God and truthfulness with one another. It's very easy for Christian communities to be absolutely soaked in hypocrisy. To be soaked in a kind of, I'm okay, Jack, how are you? In a kind of, all is well with my soul, but uh, I can find plenty of things wrong with everybody else. And so we find that grace brings us to a place of truthfulness. Loving, humble, patient, compassionate truthfulness. And this command is about the significance of one another. And the significance, not like the previous command of protecting our property, but the importance of protecting our name and our character and our well-being. It's the right to justice and to truth, both in a community setting and uh, also, I guess, in a legal setting, Um, And the importance of defending truth and of being truthful with one another and of being honest. Now, this is a hugely practical, everyday commandment, as we'll see. What we read from James was all about the tongue. We've all got tongues. We will all speak a lot. We'll all speak a lot after the service. We'll speak a lot tomorrow. We'll speak a lot about people. And this commandment is a challenge to the way we speak about people and the way we speak about one another and the way we speak about and understand God. And it's, as, it, as with all the commandments, it's a revelation of God's own character. It's a reflection of who God is. When he says, you know, you shall not bear false witness against uh, your neighbor, against anybody else. It's reminding us Uh, that he is truth. Now, we saw that last week. We we talked about and and spoke about God as as being the truth. And um, it's hugely significant uh, to remember that, that he is just and that he is truth and he is good and that he has never lied. Now, every day we'll accuse God of lying. Because he's not doing what we think he should do. And he's not giving us what we think we should have. And he's not answering the promises that he has made to us. And so sometimes we can maybe, uh, not consciously, but subconsciously in our lives, be accusing him of uh, untruth. 
And yet the whole significance that we can come to worship tonight is that we worship a person who is astonishingly rich in character and absolutely trustworthy and true. Otherwise, we live and trust in someone who is uh, uh, forcing us into a hellish instability because he can't be trusted. If you're seriously, if I'm seriously sitting here this evening uh, and saying that God can't be trusted, then there is nothing worth living for uh, in this world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. His character is one of truth. And it's by faith that we need to grasp that because the unbelieving world around us doesn't believe that argues that God is not trustworthy and is not good and is not true. But we recognize, don't we, from the very beginning that that is what uh, welled up in opposition to God. It was the father of lies. It was Satan who came in and stood against the truth. So this is a revelation of God's character and how his character should influence primarily the Christian community. The world, of course, and wouldn't that be great, but primarily the, the covenant community, the commands given to the covenant people, and we are the covenant people of God, and these are the commands that will not enable us to uh, uh, satisfy God's justice or righteousness, but uh, because of what Jesus has done, we are enabled in grace and in gratitude to have these commands as our ethical standards. Do we take salvation from our hearts? Do we apply it to our feet? But also do we apply it to our tongue, to how we speak? Because that is what will set us apart as Christians in the world in which we live, probably more than anything that we do. It will be how we speak. Because this command uh, reveals God's pattern for community. It is a pattern where he wants truth to be significantly important in that community, where the reputations of individuals are to be valued and protected, where integrity and impartiality are hugely significant. And we seek the truth in our relationships, and in our uh, uh, interactions with one another, and uh, in our conversations with one another. As you know, you remember all these latter commands are commands uh, that deal with uh, our interpersonal, uh, horizontal relationships. The, the early ones deal with our relationship with God, shall not. I honor you, my father and mother, murder, shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Well, Jesus answered that, isn't he? Your neighbor primarily is uh, whoever we are in contact with, whoever happens uh, to be in our path. Uh, And also, obviously, the community of God's people. And the commandment, as with all the other commandments, reveals something important about salvation. It reminds us that we need to be saved because we have spoiled this in our relationships with one another right from the very beginning, and it's brought separation and destruction. 
we see it, don't we, from the very beginning. That immediately Adam and Eve stop trusting one another and start putting one another in a bad light. Ah, the woman you gave me, she was the one who did it. And so on. And there's immediately making other people look bad so that we can look good. And then they blame Satan. And uh, then there's Cain and Abel. And then there's the, the ongoing rolling out of uh, a society and people who uh, cease to be truthful and who become destructive and dangerous. And salvation is the recognition uh, that uh, we know our life is a lie without Christ and uh, that our sin impugns God's truthful character. Uh, And that's a, a solemn reality for us, that we are guilty when we don't see the need for salvation. If you're here this evening and you don't see the need for salvation... If you don't think you need a savior, if you you don't feel particularly bad or sinful or wrong, then you're impugning God's character and you're telling him that he's a liar. And you're saying, you know, I know you're the God of the universe, but actually you're a liar because I don't need your salvation. It was decent of you to go all the way to the cross, but I don't need that. You're saying, I'm I'm okay. And, And so the whole reality of sin is a breaking of this command and a breaking of our ongoing daily need for Jesus Christ in our lives. If as Christians we come to God and say, I I don't need you today. I'm good enough today. I, I don't need prayer. I don't need your word. I don't need your wisdom. I'm not sure if I need your guidance. I'm okay today. Then we're, we're, in reality, we're telling God that he's a liar. Because he tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. That we are to uh, uh, look to him for our daily bread. We are to pray for him on a daily basis. We are to recognize him as our father. And we are to go to him. And so it's very easy for us to recognize uh, where we fall short uh, and how much we need him. What, what is it that this exposes? Well, it really exposes in our hearts and in our conversations deceitfulness and hatred and a wrong attitude towards ourselves, to, towards God, and towards others. In many ways, this ninth commandment could be taken as um, the commandment that personifies Satan. It's evil personified in many ways, this, this commandment. Uh, the adversary, Satan, the accuser, the source of evil from the beginning. He's been known as the breaker of this commandment uh, uh, along with others. Now that sounds like there's a motorbike going over the roof of the church. That isn't possible. But it does sound like it. We do need to get work done in the church. Make that roof more secure. Anyway, it's evil personified in many ways this commandment you know from the beginning what was Satan Satan was the hater of truth wasn't he the hater of God but the hater of truth he's a false witness 
And he was out always to destroy God and truth. Now, that is really important and solemn for us. John 8, you, Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. Okay, so he's also the breaker of the other command. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Do you listen to Satan? Do you enjoy Satan and sin? Then it's a recognition This is why John Lowe is not in church, because it's something to do with the organization he works with. That's why you wouldn't be able to get parked in Johnson Terrace. Crazy. Just forget it. Try and forget it. Satan enemy. (laughs) For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he... This is a brilliant statement in the Bible. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He speaks his native language. That is a wonderful illustration of Satan. He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, when we have uh, truth and, and lies in the balance, remember who Satan is and remember that he is the father of lies. And in many ways, this command is him, evil personified in him. He is the one who from the beginning has stood against God uh, and from him emanates lies, not truth. God is truth. Satan is not truth. There is no truth. There's no truth, and there's nothing that's truthful in him. And that also is a revelation uh, of our sinful hearts. That's one of the great things about that book, Dangerous Calling. It's very, very honest. As I say, and Sure, Neil would be the same on others. I wish we'd had it a long time ago. Uh, because it, it does away with any kind of fancy idea that we're great in our own strength and we've got fantastic talents that we can change the world with unless we recognize that we can only do that if God will turn our hearts upside down and change them because our sinful hearts are, were born in darkness and we're under the influence of our rotten, uh, corrupt uh, nature. And we naturally struggle with God's word. We'll read anything and we'll listen to anything, but we'll struggle with God's word because it's truth. And very often our characters will reveal this uh, disease. And what God prohibits here is, let's be honest, it's commonplace in our lives and commonplace in the society in which we live in, and maybe not even recognized as wrongful. So it's, it, it exposes our sinful hearts and our need for a savior to change what we're like from the inside. Uh, and it, it speaks against bearing false witness in a judicial way, uh, in a, a legal sense, uh, committing perjury or making false accusation uh, either in a societal setup or uh, one-to-one. Silence, not speaking against injustice. Leviticus 5 speaks about that. Uh, Public slander, private slander. Defending the guilty, condemning the innocent. 
destroying the reputation of others unjustifiably, bearing false witness, lying about people uh, in that public way. But it also means just generally uh, in a broader way because all the commands have broader implications uh, from the Bible indeed as we read from James chapter 3 where we choose to ignore the truth or when we choose not to dig for the truth and we're content uh, to reject the truth and uh, express a lie either for revenge or to be accepted, uh, or in a job for our ambition, um, to escape trouble, to escape uh, guilt, we lie. We lie as unbelievers when we reject salvation uh, because we are not being honest with ourselves or with God. As Christians, we lie when we don't witness. We lie by our silence, uh, by our concealing of the truth. There's both sides to that, isn't there? There's not only that we, we don't tell lies, but also that we do tell the truth. And what I would also just briefly want to focus on is uh, something I think probably that is the most practical application of this commandment is slander. Probably the most common, probably the most acceptable uh, in our own society, and often yet the worst. A wild and destructive tongue. Jeremiah 18. Let's attack him with our tongues and pay no attention to anything he says. Where we listen and we spread slander about people. Leviticus 19, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Think of the number of conversations you've had over the last fortnight or how many conversations you've listened to over the last fortnight. How many of them have been abusive? How many of them have judged other people uh, on half-truths and condemned them uh, because of that? How many of them have been at the expense of their characters or their persons? How many of our conversations have ignored our own weaknesses and our own faults? How often have we damned people on gossip that we've heard about them with no thought whatsoever about whether what we've heard is true or not? How often have we gone with the crowd just because uh, the crowd were saying something, Exodus 23? How often are we quick to hear bad things about people and very quick to spread it? Slander, scandal. How many jokes have we made at the expense of other people, deriding them and bringing them down? How quick have we been to remember the weaknesses and faults of others and pass them on, even if we don't know they're true, and been very quick to forget our own? How much jealousy or envy or lack of trust or hatred have we experienced in our lives and in our conversations in the last uh, few days and weeks? It's true that we struggle so often 
uh, with slander. Yeah, the old statement used to be, wasn't it, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It sounds nice, but I don't think in any way it's true. Most of us will not have been beaten up, but most of us will have been beaten up verbally and found that hugely painful and, and hurtful, especially in the Christian community, especially there. Sometimes we, we get used to it in, in the world in which we live and we, we maybe expect it. But when we, we find that lack of trust, that lack of honesty, that lack of forgiveness, that lack of truthfulness, that lack of uh, openness within the Christian community, then that is truly uh, damaging and hurtful for us. So slander, lying, bearing false witness, uh, lies from the evil one. is what this command uh, exposes and uh, encourages us to come to Christ for forgiveness and for new life and for transformation so that we can begin to be at core level, foundational level, people of the truth, people of the book, whatever you want to call it. People, because what it expects from us is this great love, you know, love one another. That's the, the summation of the commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and, and your neighbor as yourself. And these commands are the outworking of loving your neighbor as yourself. So the way of love is uh, the way of truth. It's the way of protection. We protect one another's character. We uh, seek uh, the best of one another. We seek to, in love and humility, expose the weaknesses of one another in relationship uh, so that there may be uh, building up and there may be encouragement. We confess our sin to one another. We speak against injustice that we see. We control our tongues. James 3 is a hugely significant exposition of the ninth commandment in the way it tells us to control our tongue. With our tongue we praise our Lord the Father and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Very easy to be duplicitous and double standard in our life as Christians. Let's be slow to judge, slow to speak, and godly and gracious, watching how we speak about one another, watching what we say to one another and what we say about one another, and reminding ourselves of truth and of applying truth into our relationships so that we know each other well enough so that we can bring truth into relationships in a way that is loving and gracious. And that is the way of humble dependence upon God. It's Our hearts, my heart is simply too black to do it on my own. It's impossible. I find only hypocrisy there. I need a new heart. I need a, a new reliance on God's grace. I need a new dependence on the Holy Spirit to stop me putting myself first and making myself look good by breaking down other people and by making them lesser. We need to quell the evil motives that still remain in our hearts by throwing ourselves onto Christ and into his practical power so that we live out our lives as a Christian community outworking this command.
which is that we uh, do not speak falsely against one another. We don't think the worst. We don't look for the worst, but we look to be honest and truthful and gracious and kind and uh, trusting in God and pointing others to trust in God and to trust in God who does not lie and who is not a liar and who can be trusted and who is worthy of our wholehearted devotion. Amen. Let's bow our heads briefly in prayer. Father God, help us to live for you and help us to understand the amazing uh, light um, of the great surgeon, uh, a powerful exposing light of God into our hearts, uh, which is there to expose but also to bring healing and forgiveness and transformation and renewal. And may that be what we do. May we not look back at our Christian lives and think, well, I became a Christian 20 years ago and and been the same ever since. But may we find that you have an ongoing, moving, uh, progressive development plan for us to become more like you. And that involves how we speak, involves our attitude to the truth, involves us not accusing you of being a liar, which is tantamount to blasphemy. And uh, it is being aware of Satan's deception and his uh, accusations and uh, his methodology. So, Lord, help us, we pray. Help us to understand who you are and help us to be truthful and loving and gracious with one another, supportive and courageous and compassionate and committed and good. And, Lord, bless us as we sing and praise you and may it come from our hearts as we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.